Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. Let's go to James chapter 1. I want to read verses 1 through 12. We're going to talk about counting it all joy in trials. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no wavering, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower fails, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Stop right there. Preachers often say, count it all joy. Have you ever known somebody that when you're going through a time of trial, a a real time of difficulty, and they just tell you, well, count it all joy. But sometimes it doesn't feel like I want to count it all joy. You mean I have to be happy when bad things happen? I've got to be happy about it when trouble comes? I don't like it. I thought about Job. When Job was going through his trials, was he happy? But he kept his focus, especially in the beginning, upon the Lord, even through those trials. So that's what we're going to examine today. How is it that we can, in a very practical way, when those trials come, and maybe the trial might be a very simple trial. Maybe you're driving along the road and somebody is just not paying attention and you just want to A-whack and grab them and, and shake them or make them aware, something like that. Well, maybe that's not a real trial of life, but it does make us look at ourselves. It makes us look at us. How do I respond when somebody else does something stupid? How do I respond when somebody else is just out for themselves or whatever that might be? 
God will not permit any troubles to come upon us unless he has a specific plan by which great blessings are going to come out of that difficulty. It's through the suffering, the trials, the testing of life that we can draw near to God. And I found a quote from an anonymous source that said, when God tests you, it is a good time for you to test him by putting his promises to the proof and claiming from him just as much as your trials have rendered necessary. I like that. There are two ways of getting out of a trial. One is simply try to get rid of it and be thankful when it's over. The other is to recognize the trial is a challenge from God to claim a greater blessing than we've ever had. And how one handles trouble is an indication of our faith. How we handle these difficult times. One of our pastors of a sister church, the other day, Thursday or Friday, was in a, a head-on crash. And his, both of his legs broken. Evidently, some of the bones broke through the skin, went through surgeries. And the other person, the driver of the other car, did not survive. And I'm sure that he's not thinking, oh, I'm counting it all joy, how great. But I'll bet you at the end of this, he'll look back and see how God has sustained him, how God has carried him through, how God has been ever-present. So how we handle trouble is an indication of our faith. Trouble comes into your life and my life, and it will speak to the reality of our faith or the lack of it. Therefore, the purpose of James in which talks about the testing of our living faith, the first thing he wants to talk to us about is the test of trials. For trials will reveal whether your faith is a living faith or a dead faith. Whether it's a genuine faith or an imitation faith. What kind and how strong a faith we have. That's what it's about. Now, we talked about last week, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. We spoke about who James was, that he was a servant of God, and that he was writing to those Jewish Christians, his brethren, that were scattered. Now, why were they scattered? Remember, there was a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. We find him in the book of Acts. And he is breathing threatenings, is the idea of the scripture. He is threatening those Jews that have left Judaism for Christianity. He is threatening them. And I would just venture, and I think I can make a good argument for this, that he was not the only one that was attacking the Lord's people. Because remember, later in the book of Acts, we find the Apostle Paul, there are those zealous Jews that make a pact that they're not going to eat or anything until they have taken Paul's life. So I would bet you that Saul of Tarsus was not the only one who was breathing threatenings in that early Jerusalem church. And those people were scattered abroad because of the persecution. So now James is saying, count it all joy. And we don't know what specific trials they were going through, but I'll bet you it was not just an easy going, uh, like somebody who wants to 
you know, turn against me or, you know, in their car. Or It was not something just trivial. So at the very natural starting point, for the simple reason, everybody who lives in this world has trials. All of us. We're fallen creatures by nature. We're sinful creatures and we live in the midst of a fallen and a sinful society. And so what's the result? The result is constant trouble. The result is we're going to just have to deal with it. And it seems like it never goes very far away if it goes away at all. Job 5 and 7 put it this way, man is born under trouble as the sparks fly upward. As if to say that man's fallen nature is a fire that spits up sparks. The natural consequences of man's fallenness is trouble. Job 14.1, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Job knew it very well, didn't he? Psalm 22.11, David says, as he cries out for God and he asks God, Be not far from me. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near. Isaiah 8.22 speaks, as God is speaking through Isaiah, of the judgment that is coming on this world and left to men. He says, to look under the earth and find trouble. That's what's here. But the wonderful insight that we have from the book of Ecclesiastes of worldly wisdom from this plane, from this perspective. Ecclesiastes 2 says, Therefore I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. And then verse 23 he says, For all his days are sorrow and his travail is grief. Yea, the heart takes not rest in the night. Trouble. Trouble, trouble, vanity, vexation, day and night, life seems to be trouble. Life seems that we have problems on every side, trouble alone. Even for Christians, there is a kind of consistent fact that we are going to face trouble and that constant facing of trial in a troubled world when we sort of get out of our little world then we begin to see that somebody else maybe begins to invade it and begins to, well, inevitably, you know how it's going to be. Maybe you've had a group of kids over to your house of recent. I tell my grandkids, I'm a grumpy old man. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm a grandpa, I can be a grumpy old man. And they laugh, they do it out of love. I don't want, I don't want to give you the wrong impression. Hi. Let me interrupt very quickly to let you know and update you with some information. You can contact us at schoolofministryresources.org, all runs together, or contact me personally at paul at landmarkstockton.com. We also have online services on Facebook at Landmark Stockton, that all runs together. Or, if you're interested in our church history sessions, you can look on YouTube under Landmark Stockton, two separate words in that place. 
We'd love to send you information, and we're always so glad to hear from our listeners. So please feel free to contact us, and we'll write back to you. Thank you. Now back to our podcast. But no matter how peaceful and tranquil, it doesn't seem like it's very long until that peace and tranquility is, goes away. And I live in my little insulated world, and how those wonderful grandkids can just come in and do damage. I don't mean it quite like it says. I mean that as a little illustration of how life is. We do everything we can to protect ourselves and get the perfect peace and comfort. But inevitably, trouble comes either from outside or from inside. I'm reminded the psalmist repeatedly was speaking to the Lord and he asked the Lord to deliver him out of his trouble. It wasn't presumptuous to ask the Lord to keep him from trouble, but he always asked the Lord to deliver him in the trouble because he knows that can't happen. He just says, don't deliver me from it, just get me through it while I'm in it. Peter says that. Peter gives us that idea. Peter says that marriage is the grace of life. Like that saying, the best thing of life, it's like having whipped cream on top of it. This is the best of life. Here is the greatest. And if you get married, recognize that you're going to have trouble in this flesh. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7 and 28. So if you're having trouble just being who you are. And now imagine how it will be then when somebody else is trying to be who they are and, and there's going to be trouble and the best thing that God gives us then brings us together with two people trying to be who they are and it's, there's trouble within. Well, Jesus himself did not avoid trouble. He said to his disciples, you've been with me in my Tribulation. You've been with me in my troubles. He said it's normal in this world that you would have tribulation. You can expect it. It's everywhere. Jesus groaned in his spirit. John eleven thirty three records that. John twelve twenty seven tells us how Jesus groaned in his spirit and how he was troubled in this world. John thirteen twenty and twenty one says it again over and over that he was troubled in spirit. Paul said that he was troubled on every side in 2 Corinthians 4. There's trouble, there's trouble. It's all around us. We should expect it. We can expect trouble in our family. We can expect trouble from our friends. We can expect trouble in our jobs. We can expect trouble at school. We can expect it in our economic world. We can expect criticism will come and there'll be trouble. We can expect trouble in every form of disease and illness. We can expect trouble when it comes in our lives in the form of death. As it strikes people that are very close to us. Trouble comes from persecution. Just like we find here in the book of James. It's just the way of life. And if you think that you're the only one that's going through it, then we have to open the doors and look around and see there are others. Also, everybody's in the same situation. And James is telling us, if our Christian faith is genuine, it's got to show through trouble. 
If your faith is no good in trouble, then it's no good. If it's only good when you don't need it, then we don't need it, right? My faith in God, if it's only good when I'm doing well, then what good is my faith? See, it's to sustain me when everything goes wrong. The best and the legitimate test of our genuineness of our faith sees how we stand up in trials. Notice verse 2. It says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That's so much like verse 12. As he says, in the idea, of, and we're going to compare verse 2 with verse 12. But the idea of various troubles is poikalos, various. And it means varied, variegated, many colored. That's the idea of it, varied. This is not the emphasis of the number, but of the diversity of troubles. That there'll be many, many different troubles. The idea isn't that we're going to have many troubles. The idea is that we're going to have all kinds, varied kinds of trouble. Multicolored, if you will. That was the original meaning of that. It's going to come in all shades and all sizes and all varieties. All kinds of trouble. Coming from our family, coming from our relatives, coming from so many areas of disappointment, wherever it might come. All kinds of troubles. Notice also the various trials. And here is the word paresimos. That means trials. And it's basically the idea of troubles. Something that breaks our tranquility. It breaks the pattern of peace and comfort and joy and happiness. And we don't really know specifically the trials that James had in mind. But I wonder if he didn't see the persecution that those early brethren were going through. And his heart went out for them. We don't really know as the scattered Jews. They may have had no problem but he is wanting to be, have them prepared when they were going to have problems. They were scattered because of persecution. And the general idea of this, the instruction was a general instruction. That whatever you might be going through, whatever your trials, whatever you might be facing, various, the multicolored trials... They come in all forms. They come in all kinds. And it's really not the specific when you go through this problem, but it's whenever any problem. The word trial does not necessarily denote the idea of a temptation to evil, soliciting the evil. It doesn't necessarily mean temptation. And, and sometimes in our authorized version, it gives us that idea. It's translated trials as as temptations and it gives us the word the idea that when a testing from Satan comes when you're being solicited or pulled or tested to go into evil well that's really not what that word means that word means that those trials are going to come the context really shows that idea and how to emphasize that sometimes when we fail we fall into temptation there is that solicitation to evil. But that's not the original. As a matter of fact, the Moulton's Greek lexicon, it says that the word always conveys the idea of testing. It's a very rare word in secular Greek, but it's very common in biblical Greek because the testing of faith 
is such an important part of our spiritual life. The testing of our faith is so important. And that's why this verb of peresmos or from perez, it means to put someone to the test. So this is the idea of testing. There's going to be a variety of tests, but they're going, we are going to be tested. Whether it results in good things or results in bad things. The issue here is you will be tested. I will be tested. Every trouble that comes into life, every trial, small or large, it becomes a test of our faith. You either pass or you fail. Pass the test, it keeps it a trial. To fail the test, it turns it into a temptation. So if it ends up a sin, it was proven to be a successful temptation. If it ends up in a victory, it has proven to be a successful trial. Do you get that difference? Do you understand? A temptation leads you to sin and makes you fall. A trial leads you to strength and helps you to stand. So trials then are testing that reveal the genuineness, the strength of our faith. That can then, on one hand, reveal the genuineness of our faith. In that sense, they can... Maybe in a second hand, it can also reveal the strength of your faith. What you can do through a trial will reveal whether you really believe, whether you're really trusting and holding to those things. If you really believe God, if it's a genuine saving faith, it reveals how strong that faith is. Because sometimes we just have to practice and build our faith. I think there's been a lot of people in history that have spoken about the book of, of James and felt that it was too heavy on works. But in my study, I think that James is very heavy on faith. Because here he's talking about those things that are going to build your faith. And I want you to know in this epistle, James is not out of balance. He is perfectly in balance. Martin Luther said that it was a strawy epistle. In other words, there wasn't much substance to it. But I think that he was wrong. I think because he was saying, and he said that it was useless because it dealt so much on the works of righteousness. But I think he missed the point. James is really strong on faith and works manifest. It's one true test of our faith. So our works show, are shown that how we come through the test and how much faith we have. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.